edition of the Boston Sports Syndicate Red Sox podcast to be named later. This is the Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the Boston Red Sox and Major League Baseball. I'm Bill Travers. Thank you for joining us. On our last episode, we discussed a number of recent moves made by the Sox after what had been a very quiet offseason. But on this past Wednesday night, with spring training just around the corner, the Red Sox made, I think, their biggest move so far dealing fan favorite Andrew Benatendi to the Kansas City Royals in a three-team deal that also involved the New York Mets. We thought this was some big news, so we thought we should record a special podcast and get out our thoughts on the deal. And, of course, by we, I mean my YouTube YouTube co-host, my two (laughs) usual co-hosts on this show. First, the great bloggino himself, Chris Henrik. How you doing, Chris? Guys, I'm good. I'm ready for this emergency Red Sox podcast. Emergency, that's a good word for it. And uh, also joining us, as always, uh, Matty Kiwoom, a.k.a. the Syndicate's Kike Hernandez. Matt DeRosha, how's it going, Matt? It's going pretty good. You know, I love uh, I love talking baseball with you guys, so if it's an emergency or it's been a while, either way, I'm excited. I don't know about an emergency, but, you know, what the heck, let's do it. We, we are uh, our uh, text message chain that we have was blowing up last night, so I figured, why don't we get all these thoughts uh, recorded and put them out as a podcast? Oh, yeah. It only makes sense, right? That's what we do, baby. <laughs> all right, so let's do it. Uh, so the Red Sox traded Ben Attendee, and they also shipped $2.8 million to the Royals. In return, they got somebody by the name of Franchi, not Frenchy, Cordero from the Royals. He's a 26-year-old left-handed hitting outfielder. He's been kicking around the majors for, by my calculations, about four years now. Um, They also got 22-year-old right-handed pitcher Josh Winkowski. Don't bother to learn his name because you probably won't see him for a while. He's never pitched above a ball. Uh, The Red Sox will also reportedly receive three players to be named later, our favorite players to be named later, two from the Royals and one from the Mets. So, guys, I want to ask, what is your immediate reaction to this deal? Matt, I want you to go first. I can go first. I can bat lead off. I'm Kike. I can do anything. Bill, you mentioned our our text exchange, and it was like a, it was like a buildup, right? I mean, first Benintendi's about to get traded. Where's he going? There was these cryptic tweets coming out of the Twitter sphere, if you will. So we started speculating, and then names started coming out, and then eventually the trade materialized, and we saw at least most of the components of the deal. Uh, my initial thought is I think it's a little light uh, in comparison, you know, for for a player of Andrew Benatendi's caliber. Uh, if you guys remember two or three episodes ago, uh, actually might have been a little bit longer because this might have been the end of last year, uh, Benintendi made my no trade list and it was because his stock was so low. Um, and this is the type of thing that I was a little worried about is, uh, they would use him to kind of maneuver, um, 
you know, with financials or for prospects, as opposed to using him to buy a more proven player. Uh, so yeah, uh, overall, I'm not thrilled by it, but at the same time, I don't hate it. I don't think it's as bad as people are making it to seem, but I think overall, uh, what I've come to find out over the last uh, 11 hours or so, or no longer than that, was 24 hours or so, is that I wasn't as high on Andrew Benatendi as most of Red Sox Nation. Matt, I got to agree with you on our, our text messages going back and forth. When we saw that the Red Sox were giving up Benatendi and throwing some cash in on the deal too, we thought they were going to get something substantial in return. I know I, I put into our, our chat Whit Merrifield, which may have been shooting a little too high, but you know I thought we were going to get something back really good, and I too was underwhelmed by what I saw coming back. But Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this before we go too far. Yeah, you know, so I was at work last night. I got the initial tweet saying that there was a Red Sox trade and it was going to involve Andrew Benintendi, and I, you know, I got excited. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, guys, I've been saying this, what, since the middle of July that the Red Sox were going to trade Andrew Benintendi, and by the way, he had trade value. As I was anxiously awaiting to find out who the player was, the second that I picked up my phone and it was reported it was going to be Frankie Cordero, I was I was disappointed. <laughs> like, to me, like, the Red Sox needed to go out and get pitching. You know, and the Red Sox, they had an asset. Yes, it was a depreciated asset, but they had an asset who was 26 years old. They have uh, player control over the next two years with him. And to be honest with you, you, you kind of know what Andrew Benintendi is. You know, he had a down year last year, 14 games, uh, 103 average. But really, you know what Benintendi is. And the Red Sox got a player back who kind of feels like he's a toolsy project. You know, there's, there's a ton of intangibles and, and reports on what he could be. But in the short term, did the Boston Red Sox get any better today with that trade? No, they didn't. So, you know, I don't want to bash the deal. I don't want to bash Bloom. I want to, I want to see the whole trade and, and the whole totality of everything uh, and, and see what those other players who are going to come back to the Red Sox are going to be. Sometimes quantity isn't always, you know, as good as quality. And yeah, they're going to get five players total, but are they going to be five quality players that can help replenish the system and potentially be part of trades or, you know, whatever the Red Sox are going to be looking to do that, you know, that remains to be seen. But I, I think in the short term, this move doesn't help the Boston Red Sox. And I mean, I'm, we'll talk more about, you know, the player they received and, and, you know, things that, you know, I think that they're, you know, they're going to get out of this guy, but I just kind of, I, 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 it was kind of like having like a meal you were really anticipated for and then you ate it and you were just kind of like, I, I kind of wanted more. And that's what I kind of felt like with that trade. I was left wanting more. So I think we're all in agreement. We're underwhelmed by the deal. Yeah. 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 I definitely think that's a yeah, fair yeah, assessment of it. And, and the thing is, do I think that the team got better for 2021? I don't because I don't think Franchi Cordero in any way shape or form is a more known or more accomplished player than Andrew Benatendi but I don't think they necessarily got much worse for 2021 and it is you know you can't argue the fact that they their system got better in 2021 
adding, you know, the right-hander, Josh Winchowski. Um, he seems like a power arm. Um, and I know he hasn't pitched above single A, uh, but MLB Pipeline tends to think he could break the big leagues this year. His ETA, uh, according to their scouting report, is this year. Um, so, you know, do we know what he'll provide? Do we know, you know, what he can be? Of course not. You know, he's he's he hasn't done much in his big league career. Well, granted, he missed a year of development last year when there was no minor league ball. Right. So, he, you know, maybe right. he would have gone up to double A last year. You know, so yeah, he could have gone double A. Being a little unfair to him saying he hasn't pitched above A ball. No, I, but I mean, the st- I mean, what's what's factual is factual. You, you know, that's what we're going to do is, you know, say what we know. We're not just going to completely speculate. So I don't think it's, you know, unfair to him to call him a, you know, a high A pitcher at the moment. Um, I do want to say one thing about the players to be named later. Um, I was actually reading um, an article, not you know, not necessarily uh, about this trade, but about the trade market in general, that uh, fans were told in this article to expect more players to be named later initially as trades happen because scouts haven't had a chance to, to look at these kids. They didn't have a chance to, to, you know, travel around the country and see them play here, there, and elsewhere. Everyone's always, you know, played against their own team unless they play winter ball. So, you know, these players to be named later um, traditionally don't pack a lot of punch. But this year, uh, opposed to the past, you could see some good prospects coming back in the uh, three that are yet to be named. That's a good point. But, you know, I still can't see these players that they're going to get being anything more than trade fodder for future deals, which maybe that's Bloom's. Maybe that's where he's aiming. You know, I don't see these as guys that are going to come up and be major league players in the relatively, even within the next two or three years. Players like that just traditionally if, if, aren't aren't that type of player. I I think that if we were to, you know, I think it's you know that uh, that's a fair you know a fair assessment. Um, but I think what's different about this year is that a lot of teams have done these player to be named later trades, and they've done them with the anticipation of being able to get some time during the regular season to evaluate these guys down in the minors. You know, are the Red Sox going to get top 10 prospects back, you know, two from the Royals and one from the Mets for Benny? No, no. They're probably going to get guys who are between that 15 to maybe 40 range that are going to be able to come into the system. And, and, and to, to your point, Bill, I think that they're going to either, they're going to fill out the system to where Heimblum can make, other other deals, you know, he talks about uses the term sustainability quite a bit. I think in pretty much almost every conversation that he has, I almost want to have like a Heimblum drinking game that every podcast he goes on. If he says the word you know, sustainability, you take a shot, be hammered by the time the thing was over. But yeah, I was gonna say, what are you trying to do? Get people alcohol poisoning? And when they do this drinking game. <laughs> but with the, you know, with that being said, I, I think that the perception in the past has always been player to be named later is generally just a throw in guy, a guy that is either going to be likely DFA'd or, you know, two options, you know, already expired and, and, you know, they're not going to be a big impact player. I think this is different. Think about it too. The Sox sent money to Kansas city. They didn't send money because, you know, they're, you know, they're hurting financially. They sent money because they're trying to get better, you know, get, get better players to come back to this team. 
You know, they did it with the Ottavino deal. Now they did it in the Benny deal. It, you know, I wouldn't go quickly to say like these play to be named later are just going to be, you know, throw-ins. They could be decent pieces to fill out the system. I mean, I'm looking at it right now in MLB pipeline. Uh, Winchowski, who they just got, he was ranked 26 for the Mets. He's ranked 30th in the Sox system. You know, and the Sox system now is ranked 20th in MLB pipeline. They're ranked 19th on. Um, 1500 prospects give them a little shout out because they gave us some love on Twitter yesterday um, so you know I don't know I mean I'm going to be optimistic I, I, I want to see what these players are going to be who they're going to get back and, and I'm hoping it's pitching I, I really do I'm hoping it's pitching that they can develop and, and we can kind of go from there yeah and the thing that lends me to believe that they're the prospects that they could get back, especially from the Mets, uh, could come with some value because the third, you know, not the third player, but the fourth player, I guess you could say, in this deal that went to the Mets, Khalil Lee, he was a Royals top 10 prospect. He is now the number seven prospect, uh, according to MLB Pipeline, in the Mets system. So it seemed like the Mets got what they wanted. Uh, ben Attendee going to the Royals, they got what they wanted, including money. It seemed like the target that the Red Sox were really looking at, I just can't believe it's Franchi Cordero. I think he's, you know, at best, you look at him as kind of like a, 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 a piece to help now. I, I have to, I, I just, I feel like there's a chance a top 10 prospect is one of these three kids coming back. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily out of the realm of possibility or, you know, a situation, I don't, I'm not in the room, so I can't. I don't have any sources. I'm not really speculating. Uh, I mean, I am speculating. I don't have any real uh, sources here. But I, maybe the player coming back from the Mets is, you know, on their big league roster, and the Mets aren't sure what they want to do. I mean, they have a log jam at certain positions. Maybe they're thinking, you know, this is something we can't complete now. But if we make them, you know, play to be named later, and we can complete this trade, uh, you know, who knows? I know. Typically, the the rule is they can't be on the 25-man active roster. I don't know if that's changed because of COVID. If it hasn't, then that's, you know, throw that right out the window. Forget everything I just said. Uh, but if it is, you know, allowed, given the circumstances of the last calendar year, there, there could be somebody that, that fans could get excited about out of these three players. Who knows? So let's talk a little bit about Franchi. So when I see his name, naturally, I've never heard of this guy. You guys, you know, you do the fantasy baseball, so maybe you're a little bit more up on him than I certainly am. But so I go on baseball reference, I look up his stats. 236, lifetime average. It just seems like we're bringing in so many of these guys. Renfro's another one with these batting averages in the low 200s. So a 236 batting average, uh, 12 career home runs. Nothing special. I see nothing special here. Why should we get excited about this? What? Tell me why I should be excited about this guy or even think that this guy is going to be a contributor this year. Well, I think one of the reasons to get excited for him is the fact that, and I'll, I'll go ahead and plug my own article here, um, he's got tremendous power potential, and, you know, he's got, he's got elite speed. That combination – you know, I mean, that combination doesn't come along often. And I think that Heim Bloom saw that and, you know, probably looked at an, a player who was maybe slightly undervalued or maybe he was in a system that was a little crowded. So I made the comparison that, you know, did Heim Bloom potentially find, 
was was he looking for his version of Randy Arozarena? Now, I'm not saying that Cordero is going to become Randy Arozarena, but when the Rays made the trade to get him last January, they went out and they were looking to get uh, Jose Martinez to be the designated hitter, power bat, middle of their lineup. Arozarena came along in that deal. The Rays had to trade a top 10 prospect in Matthew Libertor, who's a pitcher, to get him. And, and that's what allowed them to get Arozarena, who was, I think at the time, like the 12th best prospect or the 10th best prospect in the Cardinals system. Well, history is what it is now. We went on to see Arozarena go and have just a mammoth offseason. He set all kinds of records in the World Series. We saw him on display in the grandest stage. Is Heimblum thinking that maybe this guy is, is similar? Because they, they have similar comps from a power standpoint, from a speed standpoint. Again, not saying that Cotero is going to turn into a Rosarina, but I think what Heimblum might be looking at is maybe they're trying to acquire something similar to what the Rays did. Because a lot of what the Red Sox are doing is almost carbon copy to what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing. So I don't think it's extremely far-fetched to go ahead and say that Cordero is potentially Bloom's kind of like, you know, potential Randy or Rosarina type player. That was like catching lightning in a bottle with a Rosarina last year. To think that you can even come close to replicating that is a tremendous leap of faith. Well, you know, think about it though. The Rays, the Rays make a lot of those deals though. The Rays have have that had a history of of making similar trades, like you know, packaging up prospects and and getting prospects back and and other players who are, you know, fringe major leaguers or 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 players like a Mar- uh, Martinez who had a decent year. And they usually come out at the at the end of that on top, you know. I look at another thing here, and I added into the into the article. It was on the uh, SI piece that um, Tom Verducci wrote. You know, Bloom values certain things in players that he acquires, and and there is a common trend with these players when it comes from pitchers, it's spin rate, sliders, etc. When it comes to when it comes to hitters, it's that hard hit rate, and and Cordero does that. Cordero checks every one of those boxes. So did Yandy Diaz. When Bloom was in Tampa Bay, he coveted Yandy Diaz, who was with the Cleveland Indians. They went and traded Jake Bowers, who, for all intents and purposes, was part of the, quote, future for them, for Tampa Bay, traded Bowers to go ahead and get Diaz. Well, Bowers really hasn't, you know, amounted to much, and Diaz is, is an all-star. So I, I, I kind of want to give Bloom the opportunity to kind of show us the player that he found. But it, it's super easy to do, you know, and I'm not, no disrespect, but it's super easy to go look at his baseball reference, see this guy's hit 236 and be like, oh, he sucks. You know, he's been hurt. He's had a history of injury. You know, hopefully that's behind him. That, you know, and, and the Red Sox, maybe they found a diamond in the rough. Who knows? But it's a risk. It's a huge risk for a team that, that I don't think right now has a lot of room for error taking risks like this. Yeah, and I'm not. Chris, I'm not gonna lie. That 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 was a great pull. The Yande Diaz trade. Uh, that's a great callback because I remember when that trade happened. I thought the the Rays were were dummy dumb dumb nuts, and it turned out that they weren't because Yande Diaz was the best player in that trade. It was a three team deal. I'd have to pull it up, you know, to see what the other end of the trade was. But I do remember thinking, what are the Rays doing? Why would they want this guy? And 
Keanu Diaz has been pretty good. And I also remember thinking the same thing when they made that Matt Libertor trade. What are they doing? Turns out Randy Rosarena, not too bad at baseball. So maybe, you know, some of these guys coming up, maybe these GMs, these team builders have a knack for something like this. Like you said, Bill, it's a lofty uh, expectation, but it, it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. So I'm not saying Frenchie Cordero sucks. Like I said, I don't. I know nothing about this guy, just going off his numbers. But in baseball reference, they project out his 162-game average uh, over his career. And 20 home runs, 61 RBIs, 236 batting average. You got pretty much that same production from Ben Attendee. So why would the Red Sox trade Ben Attendee now when his trade value is probably as low as it could be coming off the last two seasons he's had? Well, we'll say season in, in a tenth because he only played 14 games in the shortened season last year. But why make this move now? Why not see what Ben Attendee has in spring training? And maybe you can make a deal for him then and get more for him. One of two things come to mind uh, in reference to that question. It's one, is Ben Attendee fed up with Boston? Is he upset that they floated his name? out there in trades uh, pretty much since the beginning of the offseason. Uh, or the second reason is Heim Bloom and company just don't think he will ever uh, get that stock high enough where they can get a better return than this. That's kind of the only two things that come to mind for me. This is a guy that was the seventh pick in the draft. What, right, but four he, years ago, uh, five years ago? Yeah, when he was the seventh pick in the draft, though, I do have to bring this up because I wrote it in my notes. Um the knock on Andrew Benatendi, and this is coming from like the Sox prospects guys who do a great job, you know, breaking down the Red Sox draft picks, and, and some of the the national guys as well. Andrew Benatendi's biggest red flag when he was drafted seventh overall was that he was an undersized outfielder who was pretty much perceived to have come out of nowhere. His freshman year was pretty uneventful. I guess he had a good freshman summer, put on some muscle, came back looking, you know, like he did. Uh, when he was drafted and blew it up, went absolutely scorched earth that season, won the Golden Spikes Award. Uh, but when you look back at at the at the, the that 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 analysis, like his profile is certainly there are many players who have busted coming into the bigs with that profile. Someone who's come out of nowhere, undersized, hoping they can hit at the big big league level. Uh, so maybe his ceiling just isn't as high as uh, we had thought initially going seventh overall. Because when you think about it, he won the Golden Spikes Award and went seventh overall. So he won the Heisman Trophy, was the best player in the country, and went seventh. Guys like Alex Bregman, Dansby Swanson went ahead of him. So, you know, when you're that productive and that dominant, win the biggest award in your sport in college and barely make a top ten pick, you know, I'm not not sitting here bashing the pick. I loved it when it happened, and I love Ben Attendee. When he first came in, uh, but you know the red flags were there, so it wasn't like he was a bulletproof prospect coming in. Yeah, but he has hit in the major leagues. He hit 271 in 2017. He hit 290 in 2018. He's been a productive player in the major leagues, so it's not like he was yeah. had that flash in the pan no, in college his, and then was a bust. But if that's his ceiling, that's not a player you need to hold on to. The year he bat 290, he only hit 16 home runs. You know. 
So it's not like he's... Well, he's not a home run hitter. Not, is, not everybody's a home run hitter. I mean, my thing is, is that his ceiling? The guy's only 26. And yeah, they kind of screwed around with him the last couple of years, you know, moving him into the leadoff spot. That seems to have totally screwed him up. But why are they so ready to give up on a 26-year-old that was drafted that highly that has shown productivity at the major league levels? Because I think that is potentially his ceiling. You know, I, I'm not sitting here saying that his best days are behind him, but I think that all he can do is replicate those solid years of 2018, 2017. I don't think you're going to see a guy come out and hit 310 and, and hover around 20 home runs. He may get 20 stolen bags, but in today's game, that's just not, it doesn't really, it's not as relevant as it used to be. So his skill set isn't as, I just don't think it necessarily gets anyone going. It doesn't tickle anyone's fancy nowadays do you think that guys do you think that maybe andrew benintendi just doesn't really know himself what kind of major league you know hitter that he is you know because like we've we've talked about kind of like the evolution of him and looking at it from a statistical standpoint you know 20 dingers went down to 16 went down to 13 he bulked up he went skinnier like he needs to figure out what kind of ball player he wants to be you know, look at his size, look at his frame. Maybe he's just not, you know, he needs to understand that he's not a 30 home run guy. So what's wrong with Andrew Benintendi going out there, playing 140, 145 games, hitting 10 to 15 home runs, knocking in 75, but getting 50 doubles? You know, why not just go and spread the ball across the field? Yeah, pepper the wall. When he got called up, pepper the exactly. You know, I think that maybe Benintendi just really kind of got caught up in the hype of Andrew Benintendi and what really did he become? There are some guys who know when they get when they get drafted, they know, hey, I'm a power hitter and boom, like I'm going to hit dingers. That's not who Andrew Benintendi is. And I think that he's tried to be something that he's not. So maybe in Kansas City, there's less pressure. Number one, there's less pressure to win. I mean, the Royals, to be honest with you, had a, had a sneaky good offseason. You know what I mean? Like this team has had a really good off season. They've been they've been rebuilding that program. You know, I think they're gonna they got some work to do in the AL Central with with the White Sox, but they're gonna be su substantially better. And to be honest with you, the Red Sox were a team that's gonna have to vie for a wild card. The Royals are gonna be a tough team to to beat out. Young pitching, you know, they're they're set up a little bit better than the Sox mm, are right now. I can't. Well, I I don't agree. I know. I don't agree. I know. You've been, you, they you've have been pumping. They have. You've been very pumping the bland. playoff tires. No, but I'm saying the Royals have a very bland offense. They have okay hitters. Uh, they've been looking to trade Whit Merrifield for the last three years. This is the year they could do it. Their pitching is so green. They're not looking to win this year. I don't think the Royals are really going to make any noise in the AL Central or in the in, in the game at all, to be honest. I mean, when you look at but their I, lineup, the, like whose lineup is better? The Red Sox have a far better lineup than the Royals. Yeah, but you can have the you can have all the all the guys who can swing the sticks, but the Red Sox have no arms to get the guys out. Who so, do the like, Royals gonna... have? Brad oh, Keller. I know, but that wasn't really the point I was trying to go down. Uh, the point I was trying to go down, though, in well, regards I thought to this, the point you were that... trying to make here was that the Royals it's... would be a team that would compete with the Red Sox for a wild card, and I'm telling you, I don't think that's the case. I think Andrew Benintendi needs to find who him who he's going to be in Kansas City over the next two years before he hits free agency. So it, because Andrew Benintendi is, in, is, in, is going to be in a position where he could go ahead and re I don't think rehabilitate is the right word, but he can go ahead and resurrect his career in Kansas City 
work on getting that average up to maybe 285. Work on getting that on-base percentage up. Maybe walk a little bit more. Spray that ball around the field. And maybe Ben Intendi might be in line for, for an actual contract, a decent decent cash in two years when he gets free agency at, what, 28, 29 years old. And then he comes back to the Red Sox, who will have a ton of money and be <laughs> under the luxury tax. It'll be just be like Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to the Patriots. I puke, think that there's puke emoji, <laughs> puke emoji, puke emoji. I think we got a better chance of Jimmy G coming back to the Patriots than uh, Jimmy G coming back to the Red Sox. So is this a classic <laughs> case of just a change of scenery for the guy? Get him out of Boston. Yeah, they they screwed so. him up. Get so. him out of here and and take what you can get for him. Yeah, I think so. And, and if you remember, like Bloom has no ties to Andrew Benetton. Right. He didn't draft him. He didn't scout him. So it's an easier deal for him to make. And I'm not sitting here saying that Benetton stinks, just like you weren't saying that Franchi Cordero stinks. Uh, I just think that he was a little bit overrated, uh, and I think his skill sets have kind of shown that over the last year and a half, two years. His, I mean, war, I know it's kind of a goofy stat piece. Some people love it, some people don't. But since he, in 2019, he played 138 games, and he posted a 1.8 war. You know, scouts believe that his defense has declined as well as his offense. So Bloom looked at it as get out now. Uh, did he give up on him? I think he definitely did. I don't think there's a, you can argue that he gave up. Should he have? I'm not going to change – uh, my tune, I believe that they should uh, – like I said, I didn't think they should have traded him when his stock was so low. That's not how uh, you build a team in my opinion. But if they don't, if they think his stock is going to continue to go down or stay the same, which if you stay the same, it's going down in terms of the view, you know, in terms of the perception of the rest of the league. So, you know, they want to do that. They, they, they made a move. I want to throw out this little fun fact about Franchi Cordero because – Bill, I think you did a great job highlighting his his stats. And by that, I mean his lack of stats because the guy just hasn't really done a whole lot at the big league level. But this is kind of fun, so I'm going to throw it out there. In 2018, he hit a home run almost 500 feet, 489 feet. That was the second longest home run of that season. And in 2018, his sprint speed was in the 94th percentile, which means the guy is an athlete. He's a pretty decent-sized ball of clay. If the Red Sox believe they can get their hands on this clay and form it into a, a decent big leaguer, a maybe even good big leaguer, you know, power to them. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what they do with, with, with a guy like Cordero. Left-handed hitting outfielder, right? Left-handed hitting? Left-handed hitting, he can play all the outfield positions, left, right, and center. So we'll see him launching some into the bullpen. Potentially. That's the hope. That's the so, hope. I mean, some, so of his, some of his home runs on Twitter last night that were being posted were they were impressive. I ain't going to lie. They were impressive. I mean, we were trying to get the hype. We were, we were hyping him up on the uh, on the Red Sox Twitter handle on ours um, because, I mean, there's, I figured there's going to be enough negativity that's going to go around with this player that why not try to spread a little love his way. Here's here's my one of my things with him. So, you know, I listened to Felger and Maz today. And I, I have to tell you that I think that this is the first time that I watched Felger and Maz and legitimately saw Tony Maserati have a coronary. And I didn't think it was a shtick because he just sounded and seemed so incredibly passionate. He, was, he wasn't happy with this trade. It wasn't that the Red Sox traded Andrew Benintendi. It was just more of the return. And, you know, he doesn't believe in, in Cordero. And 
you know, he made a really good point that made me think a little bit. You know, there's a lot of really good intangibles that comes with this player. But, and you just said it, Matt, he can hit the ball 500, hit the ball 500 feet. Well, is he the type of player that we want to show up for at 5 o'clock to see him do that? Or is he going to do that at 7 o'clock? I, I think that Heimblum needs to bank on this dude putting all these tools together when the, when it counts the most and he's healthy. Because if he can, and even if this season this guy hits 265 and, and maybe hits 20 home runs, I wouldn't say that's a total loss, but I think there's some pressure. I think this, there's going to be some pressure on this kid because of the fact that he's, you know, I don't want to say replacing a fan favorite, but for all offensive purposes, he's going to potentially be playing a position of a fan favorite here. Well, let's hope, let's hope he does similar to what Verdugo did, replacing Betts. You know, he had the same the yeah, same I, situation last year. So if, if, he, if Franchi can do something along those lines, I think we take that at this point. But right now, that's a big if, in my opinion. I and I agree. I think that there's. I think that the if factor with this is, is really high. And I, you know, if the Red Sox were in a better position from a minor league system perspective, you know what I mean. Like I would probably not have much like pause over this deal. But I'm not like I'm not upset that Heimblum is taking a chance. I I, I appreciate having having a dude who's going to run a, a organization that's going to be willing to take chances that isn't going to be afraid. And he's going to, you know, st- maybe think outside the box, step outside the box or whatever it is you want to use. I, you know, I just wonder, you know, is this risk happening too early? But I mean, that's what happens when you gamble, right? You take a risk and you hope for that great reward. So, you know, who knows? I mean, we, we got pleasantly surprised with Verdugo. He's been an absolute stud. Um, you know he's he's got some really good really good talent back and a lot of these moves he's made so it's easy to to poo poo on these deals it's easy to be that Red Sox fan to have your guard up and say everything sucks and Bloom sucks and they need to trade him and everything uh, they need to fire him and all this other stuff um, I think it takes a little bit of courage as a Red Sox fan to want to see it out so I'm willing to see it out I just again a little underwhelmed with the uh, with the overall return so the other question completely go ahead Matt. Oh, real quick, completely not relevant to this trade. Uh, the Bloom podcast tour has been great. One thing he mentioned, and this is this brought up because you guys brought up Alex Verdugo, he called him Doogie. So apparently, when he goes, it's not Dougie, it's Doogie. Yeah, isn't that? It? I didn't know that. I thought he went by. Du- I thought it was Dougie, like teaching me how to Dougie, not Doogie, Here's the thing. like Doogie Hauser. Here's another thing with with uh, Heim Bloom. Every podcast that he's done that's been like a mainstream podcast, within that either day or the day after, he has made some like noise with this team. A couple weeks back, he went on the the Sox prospects, and then he made a handful of moves. He went on Section Ten this week. Was it yesterday? And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he trades he trades Benintendi. He you know they get that return. They they add Marvin Gonzalez. And oh, breaking news! Moves, he. <laughs> He goes on these. He goes on these podcasts. <laughs> he goes on these podcasts, and then something else happens, like right afterwards. I think it's genius. He makes these moves later after he's done these these conversations. and have to answer to the moves that he makes until later on. But maybe Bloom needs to come on here, and then there's a little move that's a little done later on. I don't know. Put put your tinfoil hats on, boys. Listen to this. Maybe John Henry, unknown, 
TV guy went ahead and didn't hire a team builder, but hired a lead actor who was going to beef up the entertainment value of this Red Sox team after a very lackluster 2020. Okay, it's safe to remove your tinfoil hats now. Uh, put it back on. Tom Warner was the TV guy. <laughs> oh, what did I say? Who did I say? You said it was John Henry. <laughs> oh, what is, my bad. Wrong guy. Tom Warner, the TV guy. John Another Henry's still trying too? to figure out what a WandaVision jo- is. John Henry was in uh, was featured in the Haunted Mansion down in Disney World, but that's about it. Which, John which, Henry looks which, like a Haunted I Mansion. I say that because he's kind of got that okay, pale, okay, ghostly-like yeah, yeah. figure. Anyway, so Chris. Let's go Red Sox. <laughs> Let's go Red Sox. That was Warner, too. Uh, so yeah, I love my Warner, apparently. Apparently, I love Tom Warner. They're, they're interchangeable, I guess, in Matt's mind. Oh, one last real quick thing before we move on. It's Frank German. I also oh, it is German? It's, it's German like the country. Oh, okay. Yes. That was uh, last oh, Germany is the country. That was last Germany, week's Germany uh, episodes pre, uh, pre-meeting where we, we couldn't figure out if it was German or Hermann, so we decided just not to mention his name. <laughs> you know what, though? This is why you have to listen to every episode, because we tie the ribbon here and there. Give you a little sound bite here. Got to tune in next week. Got to tune in next week to hear, to hear the answer. We drop little Easter eggs <laughs> here and there. And you got to pick them up yes. all the way through. It's like watching yes, WandaVision. This podcast is produced by Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> produced by Kevin Feige. All right. Anyway. Or Tom Warner. Warner. So, so Chris, you German isn't German isn't a country though. No, but it's like but Germany. If, if you come from Germany, you're German, like the country. I got you. Right, we're going off. Like of this, I wasn't like I. Uh, it would be it would have been the worst <laughs> statement if I was like it's Hermann, like the country. That would have been a lot worse. Don't you agree? Yes, that would I be would worse. Agree. Yeah. How, what would you, what would I have said? German, like the folks who come from Germany, would that have been better? <laughs> I wouldn't even know if that's politically correct these days. The Germans to say something like that. The pillows, it has all these pillows, <laughs> and they, they run around and they and they do the thing, they spit and they look and they look. And then they sing a song about so popcorn. Chris, you're gonna have to find that. 40... You're gonna have to find a link to that video and put it out so everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> or everyone has seen that video I'm... at 4106 they can just fast forward <laughs> to the last minute of all those <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright let's reel it back in here boys let's reel it back in so one of, one of the things we talked about last night in our chat going back and forth was with Benatendi being traded was that a signal that another move was coming and Chris you spoiled the thunder on this one a little bit mm. already but uh, just as we were about to start recording, uh, it was announced that the Red Sox had signed Marwin Gonzalez. So that was the next move coming in. So, guys, tell me what you think of this move. I he's like versatile. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like it. He's versatile. Yeah, but he doesn't. He, had, you know, he had a pretty down 2020. But I think most people can kind of throw out 2020 because of the circumstances. But in 2019, he batted 264, hit 15 home runs in his versatile role with the Minnesota Twins. Switch hitter, can play all over the diamond. Not mad at it. Another guy. Yeah, left-handed. Another guy that can play all over the diamond. Yeah. He's left-handed. They've been looking for, an, for a left-handed bat to complement off the bench. Uh, you know, obviously the last couple of weeks. No, he's a switch hitter. He's switch hitter. Well, no, but what I'm saying, though, what I was trying to set up was that with, you know, for the last couple of weeks, there's been conversation that the Red Sox could bring back potentially Mitch Moreland. 
that they wanted to have the ability to have another left-handed bat come off the bench. So in this case here, best of both worlds, um, right. I think that bringing in this, bringing in Marwin Gonzalez, you do go ahead and kind of, um, you kind of signal the end of potentially bringing back a Mitch Moreland. But I mean, I like it. I, you know, it, it, he's not here to come in and, you know, you know, be something of a superstar. Dude's going to come in here. He's going to play what, maybe 100, 100 and maybe 15 games. Got him hopefully hit maybe, you know, the they're projecting to hit two, you know, 239 this year on baseball reference. Even if he does that, you know, he's got a little bit of pop in the stick, kind of knocking some runs, but he's going to be able to play over the diamond. And, I, you know, that's really what the Red Sox are looking to do and looking to find. A lot of teams are still doing that. You know, the big thing for me now is, like, you know, who comes off the 40-man? There's still three players, you know, him, um, Sawamura, and um, and Martin Perez, like, you know, that need to get placed on this 40-man roster, and who comes off? So I think Marwin Gonzalez may um, – may spell the end of uh, Michael Chavis. That's just a hunch, though. I don't think uh, any of us would be sorry to see that. No. I no, that no. At all. But, I mean, no, we'll hopefully they can get something for him. Hopefully, hopefully they can deal yeah, him exactly. off and, and, you know, get get the next Franchi from somewhere in a Chavis deal. Pitching. Pitching. Get, get, pitching get the Franchi equivalent please. of pitching. You know, like the Mendoza line, what we're going to call it the Franchi line from now on. <laughs> well, I'm gonna throw it out there, see if it sticks. All, all, all deals that come from this point will be well, greater yeah. than Franchi. Greater than, equal to, or less than Franchi. <laughs> I like it. I really like. All it. right, so guys, as I'm sitting here right now, I see the Red Sox is having one everyday outfielder, Alex Verdugo. You've lost, you've lost Ben Attendee. Uh, for all intents and purposes, you've lost Bradley because. Uh, I think this signing of Gonzalez, even though the terms of the deal weren't announced, probably puts the Red Sox as close to the luxury tax threshold as they want to get this year. So I doubt it's going to be three million, which is about as much room as that. Well, what did they actually they freed up the six million from Ben Attendee, So and they were pretty close to begin with. So maybe they can make another minor that- move, but I don't see them bringing back Bradley at this point. No, not he made ten million dollars last year for you know thinking he would come back on four like a one year four million dollar deal seems a little too light uh, for the Bradley camp. Unless there's just no job opinion. for him out there, so you know he'll he'll Which take that one year I mean, deal. He's still out there now. So right now I I just only, I think he's, go ahead. I am gonna say I think he just, he's you know he's been holding out for that three year deal, you know, and then there was that rumor of you know three years or more. You know, we're we're a week from spring training. I, I don't see I don't see JBJ getting that deal. I think he's gonna have to settle on that one year, you know, kinda you know, I don't wanna say prove it, but just kinda one year go to a go to a market that you can kinda thrive in and, and try it again next year. You know, maybe maybe the Giants are the team that JBJ goes to. And that's the trend we've been yeah, seeing the over the last teams. few years is guys who fit in that range, that mid range type of player, just the, the dollar value is too high for the productivity. It's cheaper to bring in a younger guy who can give you nine tenths of, of what the veteran gives you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, look at look at Marvin Gonzalez. I mean, Marvin Gonzalez offensively is going to give you the same numbers that Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to give to you for three million dollars. He's not going to give you the defense. It's not even going to be remotely close. But for three million dollars, they're going to get the same production that Jackie Bradley Jr. give you. 
He's going to go on a tear. JBJ is going to go on a tear for six weeks. He's going to be the hottest hitter on the planet. And then he is going to go and pack it up and be, we won't even know where he's at for two months. So, you know, he's a great dude, but in this case here, Red Sox are moving on. All right, so who else do we have in the outfield? What do we see? Let's assume Verdugo takes over in center. Who, uh, are we seeing platoons in both left and right all year long? I think you're even seeing like a as nerdy of a platoon as you can get in in yeah. left and right because you, you got Franchi, you got Renfro, and you got Verdugo. Those are your only three true outfielders uh, on the roster. And then you add in a Kike Hernandez will play some left. Marwin can play some left. Maybe even every once in a while they stick JD out in left uh, at home. Which I don't hate. Home because it, I don't hate I don't that. Hate nope. Let the guy play the outfield. So I think they're going to patch it together. And maybe I'm reading into this a little bit. Maybe I'm, I have my glass slippers on a little bit. Is that the analogy? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Ro- rose-colored glasses? Uh, I think rose <laughs> Thank you, Bill. You always – Bill, you are the wind beneath my wings. You always pick me up. Like I don't know how I went from glass slippers to rose-colored glasses, but, you know, we've done like 20 no, of these right. podcasts now, so I guess I speak mad. Yeah. You correct me. <laughs> you definitely speak fluent Matt, and uh, you helped me out when I picked the wrong owner. You uh, helped me out with my sayings tonight, so thank you for being, you know, the, the Batman to my Robin. Uh, thank call thank you for making me Batman. Thank you. That, all right, good. So I did say I would have taken right, Alfred, right, but right. that's nice. that's fine. Keep going. Oh, well, Alfred, Alfred's sneaky cool. Like he's got like uh, like a little bit of a warrior background that people don't really know about. It's pretty dope. Oh anyway. yeah, especially since they've uh, retconned him to be like a former MI6 agent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, but I think the writing on the wall is that Jaron Duran is uh, part of their 2021 plans. It certainly looks Especially that way, doesn't it? Than a pistol. Yes. I don't think he comes. I don't think he starts the year in the big league club because of the stupid, uh, what do you call it? The, the playing time. What do they call service it? Service time. I'm drawing such a blank. Service, service time. time. Bill, again, thank you. The service time thing. So I think he does spend some time in the minors. But uh, if, he comes, if he comes out hot like he did last spring training, I think you see this guy pretty early on in the season. And he tore it up in the winter leagues this year. Oh, yeah, he tore it up. Uh, he played down in Puerto Rico. He was the finals MVP in the um, the Roberto Clemente La Liga League or whatever it's called. And then that team was uh, able to go on and play in the Caribbean Series because they were the champions. And, you know, he drove in the only run in the final game when, against the Dominican Republic. The guy has been completely hyped. Batted 400 in the Caribbean season. Bat, uh, series. Batted leadoff down there too, didn't he? Batted leadoff, yeah. yeah he was – I mean, he was a stud. That that swing change has done wonders for him as a prospect. There's a guy we can get excited about. Hopefully. Definitely. But we won't see him until probably May at the earliest, if we see him. Yeah, because right. exactly. It has to do with that stupid service time service thing. Time. So whenever that clears, you'll see him up. Or maybe maybe they say screw it and, uh, you know, Bloom wants to be more aggressive and, and then he comes up earlier. I just – I don't see that happening because this guy, like Chris, Messner, Chris, what is what is his word? What's Hyde Bloom's word? Sustainability. Sustainability. There it is. So yeah, you don't you don't love that word as much as he does, and and, and you know cut corners on the service time stuff. Yeah, and teams traditionally have done that over over the years. I mean, even can't miss stud prospects. 
they're keeping them down for yeah. a while. So, you know, yeah. I can't see somebody who's never really even played in AAA. I don't see the Red Sox giving him that boost to the major league team right out of spring training. Right. All right, gentlemen, anything else on the Ben attendee trade before we wrap this up? Final thoughts. So I just got, I got one, one thing that I kind of want to bring up real quick. And then I had, I came up with a grade. I don't know why I just felt like come up with a grade. So I'll give up my grade. Uh, for the trade so far, um, and then that'll be that for me. I think if Franchi and Benintendi reach their ceilings, Benintendi's a far superior ball player. I just think that, you know, if he can find the things that he's been missing over the last few years, Benintendi's a really good ball player, but I think that's a little unrealistic for both players. Um I think at this point you're kind of looking realistically at them achieving 70-75% of their potential, and I think at that point Franchi will be a more productive productive player given his power and speed uh, for this ball club in particular. Because, you know, we talked about Felger Mads earlier. The thing that I thought they were missing in their analysis uh, was that a power hitter is a, is a better fit for this lineup. You know, you have Verdugo – Verdugo basically is what Benintendi could be. Um, and then you have your Bogarts, Devers, JD, Kike kind of in the middle, Christian Vasquez. I think slotting a guy like Franchi in that five or six hole um, could go a long way for a team like the Red Sox. Uh, that leads me to the trade grade. Ooh, I like to rhyme there. Uh, I gave it a C minus. Wow, that's a shocker. Yeah, because overall, I just, I also, there was an asterisk on the grade because there are three players still left to come uh, to Boston. So obviously, that grade can go up. Uh, but I feel like you look at all of the range of possibilities, it's looking more like Franchi is kind of like a raw, toolsy type guy where Ben Attendee is a more known, polished big leaguer. Uh, Josh Wazinski, Winchowski, which I watched Monsters Inc. the other day. That's why that name came up. Uh, but he he seems like a decent decent arm. He's got a big fastball. He's been working on a splitter. Uh, so I think that's going to give him a pretty good repertoire. <laughs> but overall, I think when you trade when, when when you trade a guy like Andrew Benintendi, you expect more to come back, and uh, they didn't really get that. So C minus is kind of where I'm at right now. Chris, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if I was to grade, if I was to grade the trade, uh, I'm not that far off with it either. I think that um, I think it's fair to say that this was probably a C plus type move. Um, there's there's certainly a lot of room for upside with this trade. Um, you know, there's a lot of tools with Cordero that's exciting. They have a young 22 year old uh, pitcher who kind of projects to either be a back of the rotation, maybe a innings eater type of reliever. So, um, you know, dude was traded twice in the last couple of, you know, a couple of weeks and two separate, uh, you know, probably high profile deals. So um, certainly a player that's wanted. And the Red Sox got him now. You know, I think the real verdict is going to be as to when this uh, trade fully shakes out, who the Red Sox get from the Royals in addition to, you know, um, Cordero and who they get from the Mets. So I would probably say C plus is, is a fair assumption. 
I think the Marvin Gonzalez move is a solid move. Um, you know, just utility, um, utility player. You know, he's going to play all over the diamond. I like that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I'm still feeling a little underwhelmed. I think the Red Sox are not as good as they were yesterday. But with that being said, um, I think there's a lot of room for upside with Cordero. So I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to agree with you that they are not as good as they were yesterday. <clears throat> we'll have to see what happens with this team this year. I think there's the potential there, but there's also the potential that it could blow up and be a very, very long summer, which is something that Red Sox fans are not going to tolerate. Could I say one last thing? You just did. And another thing? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> This, I, I should have brought this up earlier. We were talking about players to be named later, and I just wanted to relay uh, this out to all our listeners because the stigma on players to be named later is that they're scrubs. Uh, some names that have been uh, part of the player to be named later equation, uh, Michael Brantley, he was a player to be named later in the CC Sabathia trade all those years ago. Um, David Ortiz, actually was a player to be named later. He went by David Arias at the time, so I'm not really counting it. It's, it was when Seattle traded him to Minnesota, so it's kind of two steps before he kind of exploded. So that maybe doesn't count, but he was a player to be named later. Um, and the last one I thought was very interesting. When the Yankees traded for Alex Rodriguez, it was Alfonso Soriano and a player to be named later. The uh, Texas Rangers decided to uh, take on Joaquin Arias, uh, but they had the option to take Robinson Cano. Mm. So, they, so to you know, it is a long shot to bring in someone who is you know a big difference maker in terms of the player to be named later. Uh, but it's possible. And um, so you know, Red Sox fans, you don't completely you know sell that down the river just yet. Wait to see what the name is and, and see what happens because. You know, if you were to get get a prospect that in five years becomes a Michael Brantley, that's a pretty big deal. Um, they also recently, uh, the Red Sox got, um, I think, Javi Guerra as the player to be named later in the uh, Felix Dubron trade with the Cubs. And he went on to be a decent prospect for them. They ended up trading him, but he ended up being a decent prospect for them. So, you know, if, if you're down on the trade because of the three – P-T-B-N-L's. Just wait. I just hope that if the Red Sox have a choice of players in that same situation, they don't take the Arias choice because he's got a better spin rate or a better hard hit rate and pass up on an overall good player like Cano. You know what I mean? I hope they don't look too much at the no, analytics. Great, no. But, you know. It's a great point. It's, a, it's definitely a real concern. You know, the book is out on, you know, this this owner this not not the ownership group. Why am I so obsessed with the owners today? With, with the team builders here because you know he's made a lot of moves that you know Chris said earlier in the show uh, highlight a particular trait or skill set that he's kind of honed in on. And and you're right. If given the choice of a good player or a iffy player with a certain tool, hopefully they take the better player. All right, guys. Well, you know, I want to tease uh, something we have coming up on the red on uh, the Boston Sports Syndicate website. Is we are once again going to be doing our Red Sox player profiles 
uh, just like we did last year. And that's something that Sox fans are definitely going to need because there's definitely a lot of new faces on the team this year. So check out our website, www.bostonsportssyndicate. We'll be having those profiles coming out once the team gets to spring training. And we've also got articles from Matt and Chris and all our other great writers. And check us out on Facebook and all that other stuff. I'm sure you've heard the drill so many times before. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. And remember, wear your mask. Nitro. Peace. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.